the garden help you need. Now, Mid-South Gardening on the Mighty 990, powered by Palladio Home and Garden, with your hosts, Veda Vance, Kenneth Mabry, and Jim Crowder. I believe we're on the air. Yes, good morning. And we're good back. Morning. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying because, look, my headphones, they're stuck. Okay. First, I'm complaining about you the You can't light. turn your ear sideways like that? <laughs> you have lost your mind. <laughs> but good okay. morning, Mr. Jim and Miss Veda. Howdy, howdy. Welcome back. Mid-South Gardening. We're here every Saturday from 6 to whenever. And um, <laughs> and it, call us, 260-5926. Right. We'll and answer if, your question. If y'all want to see my ear turn sideways, you there can watch go. us live on Facebook page. <laughs> Our show's on Facebook. Um, and then... Oh, uh, Jim will help us out. But, you know, I want to know, how do I get up 10 minutes early to be three minutes late? Oh, it never fails. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. I should have known that. But, Veda, we missed you last weekend. Glad you made it back from the sunny beaches of Florida. Oh, Saw some word. really good Somebody pictures had to do from it. you down there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, the uh, still the word of the day, y'all, is, is bagworm. I mean, uh, army worms. Yeah. I mean, you know... I think you brought it up, or someone, a caller brought it up last week. Yeah, and, we, and it was brought up first thing yesterday morning when I was here with Tim Van Horn, you know. What about our, what about army worms, you know? They and, are And everywhere. I kind of disappointed him, you know, when I said, you know, just leave them alone, fertilize them afterwards, and yeah. water them, and grass will come back. Absolutely like, not. oh, really? That's all? That's all. <laughs> if you go out there and see, you know, 800,000 know. caterpillars marching across oh, your yard. It's so issue. scary and to see your lawn moving. Eating yeah. your lawn up. Uh, I mean, of course, you've got to take action, right? Well, I've never got to see the lawn move with so many army worms, and uh, I want to see that. No, you well, do just not. just be patient. They're okay, moving northward. Just let me know, and I'll go watch. Of course, in your apartment, it becomes more difficult. Oh, I know it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but what we're talking about, guys, is if you hadn't seen it or heard about it, there are these little caterpillars, and some of them are big. That will march across your lawn, and they will eat every green piece of grass blade that you ha, have. Ha, march. Yeah. Army worm. Army get it Yeah. High. And, uh, <laughs> and they're out there in force right now. I mean, big time. I mean, almost every other phone call this whole past week mm-hmm. we've had have been about Army worms. You'd think it's Armageddon. You would. <laughs> oh, I get thank it. you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you do, we're well, going to go, Jim, uh, have Army worms. Uh, and if you're not sure, go out there, get on your hands and knees. I was talking to a gentleman the other day. He called me. He Does that said, mean pray? <laughs> well, a- after you pray, okay. you <laughs> might help. Yeah. Either you put some insecticides down, but I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he said, Kenny, I've got a patch of grass around my garden area in my backyard that's turning brown. And I said, well, go check for army worms. He said, well, I walked through there, and I didn't see anything. I said, go back out there, get on your hands and knees, and honestly, pull that grass back and look uh-huh. down in there. So he said, well, hang on. So he was talking to me right. as he was walking out there, and he said, okay, I got him. <laughs> you know, ah. his first walk through, he didn't notice anything. Yeah. But then when he started closer inspection, he realized, yeah, I've got army worms. Well, if if I wanted to go natural, would spinosad and BT? Well, I guess, yeah, because spinosad, even though it's natural, it works. Yes, it works well. Yeah, but... You know, there are granulated products that you can put out, uh, insecticides. You know, we've been selling a lot of Dilox mm-hmm. uh, this week. And then there are, of course, liquids. Uh, Spinosad being one I'm Veda, uh, completely organic. Uh, Sayonara, which is a pyrethroid mm-hmm. uh, family. <laughs> but, uh, y'all, I'm just, it, it, it is freaking people out, though, I'm telling you. Yeah. Because they, you know, and there's some good, beautiful lawns out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are manicured. I mean, just beautiful. 
and they wake up, you know, two days later and their lawn is gone. Well, this is one of those things where, you know, I say if you fertilize real well and keep everything really healthy, Mm -hmm. then you can resist the insects or they won't be as many. That doesn't count on the harming worms. You've been in this business for 50 years. We always, uh, you know, kind of, at least insecticide sellers, always prayed for fall on worms. Listen to him. I know. It really, because you could sell all the Liquid Mm -hmm. 7 you could get your hands on. (laughs) And and also, speaking of Liquid 7, uh, you know, 7, the active ingredient used to be carbaryl, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, a company bought the trade name 7. Garden Tech. I think Garden Tech did, yes. And the active ingredient in Liquid 7 is not carbaryl anymore. Uh, it is a, uh, it's, in, it's in the pyrethroid mm-hmm. family. Much safer to use, of course. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just as effective, probably better, you know, mm-hmm. than the, what the old 7 used to be. Now, 7 dust is still the old-fashioned 7 dust, right? Mm-hmm. But the liquid 7, uh, which I'm thinking I'm think is a brilliant move mm-hmm. on their part, is actually a different active, but it still does a great job on, on army worms. And in other insecticide news, I guess, I don't know if y'all saw it or not, but Bayer announced that they're pulling Roundup glyphosate from the U.S. homeowner market effective January 2023. Now, what does that mean? What? That yeah. means that they're, they'll still sell Roundup, but it won't have glyphosate in it for homeowners. It will have uh, a, apparently a couple of other products in it, but they are not yet naming what those are pending EPA mm-hmm. registration so forth. Now, what we don't know is because uh, there is generic out there whether or not somebody will Mm -hmm. continue to manufacture that. But I think that's all going to be based on whether or not the EPA, what restrictions they put on it, even though they've already said it doesn't cause cancer. But, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. Really? now It'll still be available for farmers in in large packages. But as far as Monsanto, Bayer, they will not have... For uh, the homeowner. Yeah, for gli- no more ready-to-use glyphosate. I don't know what to say about I that. I think that's horrible news because, I mean, it a is. lot of these herbicides that supposedly take the place of Roundup, mm-hmm. they do a good job in killing, you know, mostly everything that you spray it on, but I don't know of any that are systemic yeah. like Roundup, well, meaning kill the root and all. Bayer said mm-hmm. that, you know, they still have about 30,000 um, cancer cases pending against them, and the bulk of them are homeowners. They're not applicators. Right. Really? That's yes. usually it. So there have some people jumped on board then. Right, you know, and, and the fact is, you know, we've, we've given these stats before, but each year about 80,000 people in the United States get non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Right. It's the third most common cancer. And here we've got 30,000 people who would have gotten it anyway, but they want to blame Roundup. And a judge, of course, you know, to make it go away, Monsanto said, look, we'll give you $2 billion mm-hmm. and settle all current and future ones. And the judge said, no, you know, the, what about future ones down the road? Now, I'm hoping that somewhere down the road, a judge will actually look back at science and go, duh, you know, there's no basis for these because there's absolutely nothing that ties Roundup to any kind of cancer ever in any way, shape, or form. That's interesting. So we'll have to wait and just kind of see what happens, how that shakes yes. out. Well, yes. You know, my, my theory was that it lowers your immune system if um, and then you're able to have more issues. But apparently, according to this, you know, 11,000-page study that the European Union did, no. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't find where it does anything to anything. No placentas, no anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know. 
But well, like they say, time tells. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. I time just can't tells. imagine a life without, uh, you know, a, a good well, systemic uh, herbicide. Okay, yeah. so BK32, did that, have a, did that have a little bit of Roundup in it? Mm-mm. Okay, Mm-mm. well, at it's least a great there's product. something uh, for, yep. uh, you know, brush killer and all. That's the thing that gets me the most. Is it trackle power now? No, the BK32 is still the 24D, 24P, dicamba, okay. but just right. in heavy concentrations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now, there's something, too, also. Yeah. Um, you know, we've always told people with broadleaf herbicides like uh, 2,4-D and dicamba to avoid temperatures over Above 85 yeah. or so. 86, yeah. Well, guess what? We're finding that it actually volatizes at 70 degrees. Great. That's what's happening. We're getting so many lawsuits right now from farmers who are getting what's a appeared to be overspray, mm-hmm. but what they found is that particularly with a little temperature inversion, a little cool weather, right, cool air right over the crops, yeah. the day after you get this volatization. With Which it, means, Jim, they're spraying a herbicide and the herbicide is turning into a gas. Right. And it's, I mean, it's being applied properly. It's not drifting or anything like yeah. that. But the next day when you get that temperature inversion with humidities above mm-hmm. 50% and temperatures above 70, they're getting a little bit of volatization. Now, let me tell you how small this is. Wow. They're seeing damage on soybeans with one nanogram of dicamba per cubic meter of air. And give you how small that is, in one ounce, there's over 28 million nanograms. <laughs> so it doesn't <laughs> no. take much of this getting up in the air. And then when the heat air it gets heated by the sun and dissolves that cooler air mass it flows outward now how come science did not know this earlier well i mean it's just really become a problem once people started switching from roundup based products to Mm -hmm. dicamba based Mm -hmm. products Mm -hmm. because there's a whole line of 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 crops out there that you could spray dicamba over and not kill them but kill broadleaf weeds and stuff in it you know, in the organic program, dicam- dicambia was low on the toxicity, is it? It's yeah. not very toxic. Right. Right. But it ice. volatizes, apparently, at yeah. a much lower temperature. And they're seeing a whole lot of damage, particularly in southeast Missouri, northeast mm-hmm. uh, Arkansas, because we apparently get a, a lot of uh-huh. temperature inversions in these this area. So, so and, and there's instructions on there. It says don't spray it with a temperature inversion. Yeah. But, right. you know, you walk out there, how do you know? Wait, it says don't spray with a temperature inversion? Yeah. Is that, wow. But you have to be able to I'm, identify one of those. You yeah, know? I'd have to look inversion up first. Mm-hmm. And then here we go. I have to study. <laughs> <laughs> then well, I have to do te- the math. Temperature you know, just, inversion is just where warm air traps oh. cooler air down near the ground and just holds it there. Well, that's a new th- uh, thermometer we need yeah, then. There you Inversion go. temperature It's thermometer. not going to be long before we have to go out there with the blowtorch to kill our weeds. You know? All right. We got to run for a break. 260-5926. 260-5926. And ask Jim a question. <laughs> Good morning, good morning, gardeners. Welcome back to the Mighty 990 Mid-South Gardening with Veda from Palladio, Kenneth with Dan West, and Jim who does our wonderful uh, Mid-South Gardening Facebook page. And um, just enjoy listening to us, and we want to enjoy listening to us. Now, we want you to call in because we want some questions. We want to know what's going out in your yard and going on in your yard. Mm-hmm. Um, no questions, silly. 
really not. No. There's so nope. many things in gardening. A lot gardening. easier to fix a problem this morning before you made it today. <laughs> That's yeah. true, because they're going to be out making them today, and I'm going to try not to make any today. So true. All right, let's go to Jerry. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, Jerry. A question. Yes, sir. I've got a spot on my back, in the back of the yard, uh, about 50 feet of your fence, wood fence. Mm-hmm. That uh, I had, I don't know, it started out had some uh, <clears throat> landscape lighting on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, didn't want to weed eat back there, so mm-hmm. I sprayed it good with Roundup about, yeah. oh, maybe 18 inches out. And I put that red, you know, pine bark mulch back there. Right. Looked good. Uh, that way it just run a little more right by the edges and. I could use Roundup right at the edge of the mm-hmm. mulch, and the kit keeps grass down. Right. Well, I got the bright idea a couple of years ago. I put daffodils back there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I've kept the weeds up until this year. I'd pull them. Well, the other day I was out there, and it's a little spotty weeds here and there. Uh, daffodils are all dead, and you know, the tops are gone. Mm-hmm. Is it going to hurt to spray Roundup on the little spotty weeds just around that area, around the daffodils and no. all? No. Yeah. It'd no, be fine. No. No, as long as there's no foliage there, mm-hmm. no green foliage, yeah. you're fine. No, it, it's all, it's even there, it's a little bit just brown. Yeah. And that's the beauty of Roundup, Jerry, is, you know, it, it only kills what it comes in contact with uh, through foliar absorption. It doesn't move through the soil basically at all. So you can spray it all around desirable plants. As long as you don't get it on the desirable plant, you're fine. Uh, and that's one of the beauties of it. Uh, so as long as you don't spray it on the daffodil uh, when the foliage is green, uh, no, not a problem at all. I think one year I had some of called variegated boxwood. Yeah. And I was real careful spraying around up on some Bermuda grass that was kind of around the bases of them. Or about the one in particular, but it was kind of hot, and I think of that it vaporized the work, and it it killed half of it. But I finally just took it out. And, yeah. But I got one other. I got some kind of a vine growing in my. Uh, I got a big azalea in the front yard. It's uh, this this vine and the little branches and everything got a little bitty like needles on. Yeah, yeah. And a rose bush. Yeah, uh, but it's the, not the rose. It's, yeah, it's a okay. green. It's one of the green briars. Yeah, a smilax. Yes, I have nice scars from one of those. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the best way to get rid of it in that is take a take, take a margarine cup and oh, no, a, margarine, well, a, margarine a margarine a margarine cup, cup? A mar- like mm. butter like cup? a butter okay dish a plastic one Got cut it, an yep. X in the top fill it full of Roundup. And then put it on the ground and just work a piece of that vine loose and stuff it down through the X. Now, because it's covered, it'll keep birds and pets and things like that out of it. But it will suck that um, roundup up through the foliage and take it right down through the vine and get it. Now, Smilax has an immense root system, so you may end up having to do this a couple of times to get it. But that's the safest way to do it. And 
It's uh, in fact when I first suggested this uh, 30, 40 years ago, Chris Gang, who was the um, the writer for Commercial Appeal, Garden Writer, she she dubbed it the Ivy IV. So um, <laughs> like it, that's and, good, and, and it does. It, it, it's a it's a pretty good way to do it without, without endangering anything. Mm-hmm. What about doing that on English Ivy? You could do that, but again, because it's so extensive. Mm-hmm. It would take oh, yeah. you a while to kill Most it. Most definitely. Yeah, I would go with how Jim's doing that because yeah. I've had experience on trying to do the Ivy IV, and I haven't had much luck. Yeah, I, uh, I pulled it out one year, you know, threw it all away, then it came back. Hmm. Then about two years ago, I put it on Facebook, free English Ivy. You pull, and a couple of ladies, they got obviously 90% of it. And it's back. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it w- I mean, you're right, Jerry. Whether you're spraying with a non-selective like Roundup, or whether you're doing the IVIV like Jim was talking about, I mean, I, I don't mind spraying as much of the foliage as I possibly can if I know I'm not harming anything else around what I'm spraying. Now, if that's the problem, then I'll do it just like what you said, Jim. Yeah, and of course, if if it's just ivy around there, you you can use a paint roller. Just you know, get out there and just mop it down with it. Mm-hmm. Because it can't be absorbed through the roots, so you don't have to worry about getting up underneath stuff as long as you just don't touch it. Yeah, It can't be absorbed by the roots that are already plant, planted nope. in the ground, but it can be absorbed by the roots of a weed. Does it no. go down that far? Mm-mm. No. It, I mean, once not, it hits the soil, it's It just burns it. Yeah, yeah. it, it uh, it's only goes through the foliage. Anyway, that's what I needed. All right, my friend, I'll thanks for calling this morning. Thank you for calling in. Thanks, Jerry. I did that to a Japanese maple one time. It was a younger one. And I sprayed Roundup around it. And I really didn't think it was the Roundup. And someone else had said they had done that also. But maybe it was the conditions. It was newly transplanted. So it wasn't rooted out a lot. Yeah, something else happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, definitely. You know, I don't know if the if it's still true because how things change. But you could, I had heard, but I didn't try, that you could spray Roundup and it could hit a big tree, hit the bark. Yeah, it's not going to hurt a tree. Yeah, because yeah. it's not going to absorb through there. No. So, now, yeah, if you spray the could, foliage of the tree, yeah. of course it would. And not to dripping off. Some people just spray, 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 spray. I'm going to kill that thing. You don't want it to drip off of the foliage. No, actually, the the finer mist you put on it mm-hmm. um, is the better kill you'll yeah. get. Because if you get heavy droplets, a lot of it just drips right off. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you put a surfactant in there, that helps adhere it. Um, but you know, whenever you're spraying with a tank spray or something like that, the, the more pressure you put on it to get the finer drops, the more likely you are to have wind move it. True. So you want to be careful doing that, you know. Spray lower to the ground. And all right, so, (laughs) so, you know, you see on, on the shelves at the garden centers, you see brush killers and of course you see Roundup or something like Roundup, kills all, um. You know, it kills all is Roundup. Yeah, it's just a 46%, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but there again, you can also use Roundup to kill woody-type vines like uh, Smilax mm-hmm. and, you know, Ivy and those kind of things. I mean, so, Jim, what's the difference? Oh, we got about a minute. What's the difference truly between a brush killer and a something like a Roundup? Well, in most of the brush killers will have uh, another ingredient even added with it. Um, Triclopyr is, is a probably the best yeah. one right yeah. now. Um, they are 
designed they for work Woody. differently, mm-hmm. right? By dis- by being taken down through the plant and helping destroy it. Whereas the Roundup just affects that green tissue; yeah. it stops the enzymes that help produce food, so it actually just starves to death. Uh, but uh, the the true brush killers actually work down through the plant, down to the roots, and and um, just really a better does a good job of yeah. woody type plants yeah. yeah all right let's run to another break while we're on break think of your questions and call us 260-5926 good morning good morning and welcome back to mid-south gardening give us a call 260-5926 watch us on our facebook page mm-hmm. and then um now or later on you can uh, look at the, um, well, this is the Facebook Live, of yep. course, that I'm talking about in our Facebook page is Mid-South Gardening that right. Jim has worked on. And wow, is it great. There's one thing, though. I uh, was going through the feed and I answered a question like, with a, intending on answering it on the show because I don't know. I told her, I said, I don't know. Didn't I say, uh, listen to our show? It was the, it looked like a black, it was a black fuzzy caterpillar, but it looked like it had ice crystals formed all over it. Oh, and yeah. Remember what? Yeah, was that's that? a um, tufted. Tussock moth? No, it's not. No, it's um, tufted. Uh, uh, no, of course I'll remember. Was no, just, a, just a big old fat there we go. woolly yeah. caterpillar. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a lot of white on it. It's it's mm-hmm. really cool looking. One. It's not one that that stings you though. Um, I've never seen those. Never until the point where I even looked through a couple of books. Yeah, I I remember. Um, now I have to look it up. Yeah, I know it's one of those things where you don't because I've heard the name of that one and I love. And I, I had a conversation those. with one of got Mark Salzman who is. Uh, post a lot of pictures of one of the mm-hmm. finest photographers I've ever seen on our Facebook group, and I had a con- conversation with him about it. And of course, right now I can't remember. Jan Jan uh, Farmer uh, Childers said, uh, "Our friends in Millington have army worms. Uh, shouldn't they be called navy worms?" Yeah, oh, I, I see, uh-huh. I see. And then we thought, well, maybe marine worms. And then Rebecca <laughs> Maddox uh, from Bahia said, uh, "Only seeing three or four army worms at a time, so no worries here. Thank mm-hmm. goodness, Rebecca. But you better keep your eyes peeled because." Sometimes you think you've got two or three, and you've got three or four thousand, okay? Well, I was going to say, don't we see those in trees, but that's the tent caterpillar. Yeah. And then um, Audrey Fleming, uh, or Fielding, I'm sorry, had a question. She said, hey, y'all, question, how do you keep Dusty Miller, you know, the silver Mm -hmm. foliage Dusty Miller alive in the summertime? And we're thinking overwatering. Don't overwater. Yeah, Yeah. because it likes it dry. But I had four planted in a very dry area, but I planted them last fall. So maybe they were a little, but they made it through the winter and all of that. Mm -hmm. But we don't ever water that bed. So, but I have seen it turn black. So I'm really think, or the soil's too compacted. Maybe it's not, maybe you're not over watering, but maybe it's not draining out quickly. Yeah. And I love Dusty Miller as an accent plant. Yeah, I do too. Uh, You know, just a filler plant. Mm -hmm. I mean, because you're getting that nice silver foliage in there, whether it's in the bed or whether it's in a container. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a great plant to use either in the fall or even in the spring. I have a great example of how putting them in the ground versus in a container Mm -hmm. works. Because we, some people get disappointed because it doesn't get as big as it could, any any kind of plant, mm. c- because it's in a container. Okay, so I planted these all at the same time. The ones I planted now are probably two feet wide and 
18 inches tall, what? fluffy and beautiful. Well, out of that same crop, I had a little bowl that I put some Dusty Miller in and a few other things. Okay, that Dusty Miller looks like the exact same, same size, size that you put it in. Put it in. And then the one in the soil that had a really good soil and all are nice and big and beautiful. So only, the only that. difference was it's such a just a real small pot. Yeah, you could the roots had done what they mm-hmm. could do. And they well actually had some sedum with it. So they were it was dry, really dry obviously since the Little Dusty Miller didn't grow much. But that's the thing about containers. A lot of times people are worried about the thing getting too big for the container. It takes a little longer uh, at times for that to happen. But I guess if, you, if you're ever going to have a problem with uh, Dusty Miller uh, in the summertime, it would be probably from overwatering or maybe overhead yeah. watering. Or even too close together, you the know. plants, not not the foliage. So, so I hope that you, if that works out, you maybe just want to refresh in your soil or amend your soil somewhat. But it's a really, un- I think it's an underused plant here because it's evergreen. Well, and like I said, and I love the the accent of it. Yeah, uh, you know, just a. I mean, it doesn't really mm-hmm. it doesn't bloom per se. Yeah, yeah, it, and then when it does, you're like, well, okay. It's kind of got one little spike with yellow on it. And top. then, you know, it's like we kind of see the same thing with uh, lamb's ears. Oh, uh, right. You know, in the summertime with overwatering and overhead yeah. watering. And I, then they melt. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You'll see kind of the same thing happen mm-hmm. with those because that real fuzzy foliage, uh, it seems like it just collects yeah. a lot of water. And you, you almost, it, yeah, you could almost, yeah, it does collect water because, and then it's thick in there. But um, you almost could plant them in a sedum bed because they don't like a lot of water. We, when we put them in the garden center, we put them more on the outside where it doesn't get a lot of water. And then we just play with them because they don't need a whole lot of water. But once you get that water on there, and you can usually like dig it out, just cut, or just cut it back, kind of clean it up on the sides and let it regrow and, and condition your soil some and cut back on your water but yeah. that's a gorgeous plant and, you know and what about irrigation y'all i mean you know i've said this a million times i love the idea of irrigation mm-hmm. having the irrigation system the best thing and worst thing to ever call and, and, and i yeah. so agree with you um you know but i know a lot of people do it yourselfers instead of doing irrigation heads mm-hmm. they'll put in drippers right and the reason they're doing that is they want the moisture to get to the roots i mean that's where the moisture needs to mm-hmm. get anyway and they're trying their best actually to keep excessive moisture, or really any moisture, off the foliage of their plants. Now, if theory, you know, if yeah. your irrigation comes on early in the morning, four right. or five o'clock in the morning, you know, you've got the rest of the day for that moisture mm-hmm. to dry off. Uh, so, you know, there there's pros and cons, I guess, either way you look at it. That's true. Uh, we had at one time a client that had a. I guess it was a three-story, and on the top was a deck, a large deck. And well, it wasn't a deck, but... Like a balcony? Yeah, yeah. So, but it was all on the top. And she had planted tons of containers, and it was impossible, really hard to water. So what we did was took the water hose, because she didn't want to do a whole thing. So, okay, we can get this fixed for, for a while. So we took the water hose from the spigot, on the first floor and ran it up the drain pipe right along the side so you couldn't see it. Ran, ran it up the drain pipe. Just a regular hose? Yeah, regular hose. Yeah. Kind of thicker and all so it could go longer. So she didn't have a faucet on the upstairs. Top. Right. Gotcha. But then what we did is one of those hold, hose holders that um, have the faucets on it, 
Then we anchored it to her uh, patio up there. So she has the spigot so we could put an irrigation timer on it. And then we used all of the little spitters and ran it everywhere, even up her uh, gazebo so it could water down on everything under there. That's pretty neat. Solved the problem, set the timer and all of that. Now now she has beautiful plants. But you can sell them. You can buy them in in package. But can you imagine, though, not having that irrigation up there with that blazing heat and having to hand water all Mm -hmm. of that? Yeah, and of course the blazing heat was when we put it in oh, because that's when you all of a sudden realize you need something <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you're tired of watering. So, you know, that's something really good to do for your containers. Well, don't forget about the watering, you know, your indoor or outdoor plants. And I even made a little note uh, about houseplant care. Um, you know, a lot of people take houseplants outside in the spring mm-hmm. and they'll bring them back in in the fall. Not everybody, but some people do. But, y'all, what about houseplants that are inside now? They've never been outside. I mean, do we dare take them from an inside environment mm-hmm. to an outside environment now? I'm talking about maybe just yeah, to even wash absolutely. them off. Just get your, yeah. you know, your garden holes, wash them down really good, maybe feed them a little bit, mm-hmm. to even, and take them back inside yeah. if you want. Yeah, as long as you don't change the light, yeah. put them back in the same place. Exactly. That's fine. And, uh, well, we do that at the garden center some when we've got the bigger plants inside. They... You're looking at them going, you know, they've been in here yeah. and just, I think, too long without being refreshed. Or if they even look stressed, I just put them outside, fertilize them, let the water, you know, get them more in their native environment. Mm-hmm. They flush back out, look great, and then you can bring them back in. So I know people are probably looking at all their house. But you're not going, going no. from a, you know, let's say the corner of your living room where it just gets good indirect mm-hmm. light taking it outside, putting it out there in full sun on that western side. Oh, no, That's the sunburn factor and the dead factor. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying that's what you meant, Jim, when you're saying just don't change the light. That's right. You know, if you take it outside, put it in the shade. It's been in low light, Mm -hmm. water, fertilizer, whatever you need to do. And it's okay to leave it out Mm -hmm. there for a day or two if you need to. Yeah, and we've Uh, left them out for a month just to recover and regrow. But the shorter period of time, the less likely it is to start trying to adapt to its new light. So, you know, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this many times, but on the top of a leaf, there's what's called the cuticle layer. It's a waxy coating. It's not really cells, but that coating is thin or thick, depending on how much sunlight it's getting. Right. The more sunlight, the thicker that is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take a plant that's been inside it has a very thin cuticle layer and put it out not sun it, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a sun it. the sun lotion a sun uh sun, suntan lotion yeah, on, you know? no sunscreen at all that's yeah. the word yeah. yeah so yeah that if you move it to another sh- even a shady spot and leave it there it starts to want to con- to change that waxy layer mm-hmm. uh we see, used to see it a lot with chefleras coming up from the gulf coast the first set of leaves that would come out after we put them in the greenhouse would be a little bit twisted and mm-hmm. contorted as they're <clears throat> understanding their new environment. And by the second set, the leaves are normal again and flat and look good. And it's just as it's trying to change from one light situation to the other, it's just trying to fix what you did to it. Pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm just amazed how we can get really huge, big house plants in if they come from Florida. Yeah. They take that trip the whole way, and then we get them all stacked into the garden center, and they're fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how yeah. that works. And 
Except for a few, sometimes they're really stressed. Yeah, and <laughs> if you get one that's been shea grown, which they're they're good bit more expensive than yeah. what you see in the spring, the you know, oh, eighteen right. fifteen dollar uh, plants. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to do so much better for you. Right. Um, so you can you know you can buy a ficus that's been been raised out in the sun because they can do that in just a couple of months. Yeah. They can take a little bitty plant and make a big one out of right. it. Right. The growing conditions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, but if you did that in a shaded location, it takes much longer mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be as thick, but they're very attractive. Um, and it's and they're already it, acclimated to right. the shade. Yeah. But when you bring it inside, you know, if it's been sun raised, it starts shedding. Yeah. You know, the day after. Yeah, so, so. that's uh, why a lot of times we have to really research and choose vendors. That's right, because Absolutely. there's so many little things that go into it. So the health of the plant will benefit you. All right, we're going to take a break. Two six zero five nine two six. And welcome back. You're listening to Mid South Gardening right here on KWAM. Okay, I've so um, <laughs> we were talking about caterpillars on the break, and uh, Kenneth was talking about caterpillar, and he goes, "He was what? afraid of it." He was like, "What?" Oh, yeah, I was trying not to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he was like, "You know those woolly boogers? Aren't they woolly bears?" <laughs> I don't you I don't you he said did, woolly boogers. You did say that, yes. <laughs> so, no, you don't have a woolly booger on your plant. You I mean, I saw bear. one the other day that was the biggest one I've ever seen, heading mm-hmm. right from my front yard, and I'm like, you go right ahead, buddy. Yeah. I'm not stopping you, <laughs> you know? Oh, isn't it starting to be time to uh, count the rings on the woolly bear so, you know, you can well, protect it's the be, cold uh, weather well, get your or snowshoes the warm out, weather. I'm telling you, because this thing was massive. Uh, and then I was talking about, you know, a lot of the caterpillars that you see on the parsley and dill and those kind of things. Now, those are actually really good, even though they're eating your parsley up. Uh, that's the, what, the black swallowtail uh-huh. um, caterpillar. It turns into a beautiful butterfly. You know, I really don't care about the caterpillars that turn into moths. Oh, you know, I, don't, I know. You know, you go out there and nuke them with spinosad. Plus, and they're detail. usually know, bothering know. our... You know, a tomato hornworm Plants. turns into a really pretty hummingbird moth. You know? Yeah, you're that. right. You're right. But I mean, it, it's amazing. But there are a lot of people that will actually grow parsley and mm-hmm. dill and some of these other herbs, uh, butterfly weed, for example, you know, that uh, they know that the caterpillars are going to get on eventually. And right. they know that, you know, these caterpillars, a lot of these anyway, turn into just beautiful butterflies. And they're hoping, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. hoping. So they, they encourage uh, the caterpillars to eat their, their parsley. Plus, the, the um, what's the word? The chrysalis is so yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that must be why people enjoy it. A lady told me she had like a mason jar. She put some, um, the caterpillars in the jar with a little bit to eat. And mm-hmm. then she put chopsticks over the top of mm-hmm. the jar. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the uh, it was open. And that they would climb up and build their chrysalis yeah. on the chopsticks. And we've got that kind of like that on our counter right now for the kids to take a look at. Oh, you ha- the, don't you uh, do that every year? The, yeah. So the, the, the young ladies that work at uh, Dan Weston Poplar, they went out and found some parsley that had the caterpillars already on it. They put it in this big, you know, uh, like a cookie jar or tea jar or whatever it is. And they got them down in there with the parsley, and you can see them eating, and then you see the chrysalis, and then, uh, you know, you see them hatch, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Well, I think it's past time now to collect them. Is it? No, they're past time to collect the worms. I mean, they're starting to to chrysalis now, but, I mean, they're still out there eating. Right, right. Yeah, we have some butterfly weed, and it's so pretty, the uh, pods on it. Oh, yeah. And then when they open up, they have, like, white, fluffy little um, 
fluffies <laughs> that just go in the wind. Seeds, mm-hmm. seed heads, yeah, but I think we'll call them fluffies. And, and then, you know, speaking of caterpillars, uh, and the difference between, say, a tent caterpillar and a, a webworm, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the tent caterpillars we typically see, you know, early on on the cherry trees and those kind of things. Where yeah, you and they'll ex- be in the right in the crotch of a plant right and very tight web right uh and you know looks like it was built on purpose that's right yeah exactly right yeah nicely done and then the ones that we see at the end of the limbs and our hickories and pecan trees you know what what about those those are webworms okay different different caterpillar um in in most cases neither one are going to do serious damage to your plant as long as they're just minimal Mm -hmm webs on there um and even if they totally defoliate it most plants will put out another set of leaves and they're not going to totally defoliate a 30 year old pecan tree you know right um back when i used to travel from little rock to memphis every you know several times a week there was um, an area in on i-40 just inside of little rock where i started seeing webworms uh you know in scattered stuff and it was just right there around the interstate Mm -hmm. And over the next five or six years that I made that trip all the time, saw that area expand. Wow, there you, you go. go. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it ended up being like four or five miles long yeah. where it just expanded through there. And they would totally defoliate everything. Yeah, There were so many of them in that little area. Land, so there was very little for them to eat other than yeah, that stuff right that along little, the road there. Yeah, well, and I, I don't guess a tree and shrub drench is going to affect that. Doesn't do much on caterpillars. Right. You know, I, I <laughs> read something or heard something the other day about one of the professors at UT was recommending drench for bangworms. And it kind of surprised me because it's a caterpillar. Yeah, nothing I've read indicates that it would control those. Yeah, so, metachlorpid. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm tempted to try it, but you know, you don't want to lose a plant just to find out whether or not it works. See, I'm thinking I've read something like that too, because I said I was thinking, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I uh, haven't well, seen that in writing anywhere yeah. that, that you know that I believe. So, so I, I guess my point is if you do see these webworms and you will uh, in your, uh, you know, your trees. You take I mean, a big stick, stick yeah, it in there, roll them up like cotton candy, yeah. the web, and this. And if you can away. get to them, you know, you can yeah, cut them out of there. You, you know, you, or you can spray with spinosad or, or BT or anything that's got caterpillars on the label. But like Jim said, typically, unless you've got a lot of them out there, they're not going to kill the tree. They yeah. might eat the leaves off the end of the limbs, but that's about mm-hmm. it. And also, you might look at... Uh, Yahoo News, there was a great article written by Dr. Frank Hale over at UT about the spotted lanternfly was out this week. Oh, they're so um, beautiful. That, yeah, they really are pretty, but they are really nasty. If you get a chance, read that article. It's pretty interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. Y'all give us a call, 260-5926. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to... Mid-South Gardening, Veda with Palladio, Kenneth with Dan West, and Jim, who uh, does uh, the Mid-South Gardening Facebook page. And do you, do you still do garden talks? <laughs> I'm getting you caught Yeah, here. I'm trying to, to stop. Although, stop the garden talks? Yeah, you yeah. know, let the younger people do I that, know. you know. But I am such a funny guy that a lot of people want me right. to Right. <laughs> funny grumpy. Yeah. But yeah. you're not grumpy anymore. 
So he, uh, uh, anymore. So you're saying at one time he was. Oh, Gosh, did I yes. say that out loud? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he was yeah. grumpy. I don't know where you got the word grumpy. He's the nicest guy yeah. you'd ever meet. Yeah. So I was telling you all yesterday, today is my 45th anniversary. Congratulations, you know, Mr. And how Jim. in the world Carroll stayed with me 45 yeah. years is just you know, beyond my I know. I thought you were talking about. Because of New York, they got 50 hives per, mm-hmm. hives per acre. So these things are foraging. They're eating everything they can get to survive. And so the native bees are just plummeting. Mm -hmm. And they're much more important to our native plants than the The imported than the honeybees are because they are the invasive species. What am I going to do for gardening or get chemical or organic doesn't work? Uh, Companion plants don't work. work. Um, let's see, all the beneficial things don't work. Me buying all my insects don't work. I never thought I'd heard her say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I know we got David. It's no fun. I'm done. I'm done. I know we've only got a couple of minutes, so Dave, you might have to hang on until we get back from the break. But I, but I agree with what you said a while ago, Veda. Uh, I mean, you know, mother nature has got it figured out. Uh, and that stuff is going on, you know, and we don't see it. A lot of that we never see. Right. Uh, but it's going on 24-7. You and, know? I, and I agree with Jim, too. Uh, wait, where was I agreeing with you? Oh, well, that's scary. <laughs> oh, see, I forgot what I was agreeing with you. But I, I yeah. really, you know, okay, you said. But, but, the, the, the issue is we plant so many things oh, that people. are n- not yeah. native here. Right. And that sets up environments for insects to just go that's rampant. True. That so it's true. our interference, usually, that causes the said. need for other insects mm-hmm. or cures, chem- yeah, synthetic chemicals. Let yeah. me get all both yeah. nasty yeah, words the in words there, <laughs> like like natural organic, <laughs> right. synthetic chemical. <laughs> so that's the reason that we have to use these is because yeah. we're you know. But let's face it, natives are not for everybody. No. Okay, uh, they're you really know, not for me. No. I mean, it's not yeah. that I don't like them, you know, but some of them are just. They just, they're kind of blah to me. Yeah, you know, so I so said, when I drive down the road, I am seldom impressed by what's growing in the ditch. Yeah. Right. Okay? Right. So, and those are natives. Yeah. You know, I like color. I like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, and until they ban that, I'm going to be, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Until they so. ban color? Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, because then it takes so much to make them grow and so much heat and so much water, they're just going to say, forget about it. You know, uh, my grandfather used to, when it all this first started, you know, gardening first started getting more popular, in the uh, fall, he would buy pansies, put them in a wagon, and go down the street and uh, tell people, you know, the, he'll plant the pansies, and then for a week or so, wait till they get established. So that was your first landscaper with the wagon, pulling down their pansies down the street. He just wanted to do that on the side for fun. Yeah. But, you know... Things. Now we do it with big trucks and big trailers. Yes, we do. Things change, you know. Everything that we believed has changed, and you know. In fact, you remember many, many years ago, and I saw this the other day. I'll tell you when I get back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, These breaks. Remember when we used to stand in line to see the tattooed lady? They're everywhere now. <laughs> Good morning, good morning, and welcome back to Mid-South Gardening. Give us a call, 260-5926, or you can post questions on the uh, Facebook feed live. And even Alan, who's in there producing, keeping us in order, mm-hmm. you could just tell him the question and he'll put it up. Yeah, Facebook on Live screen. is on 9990, of course. Yes, and we're going to go to David. Good morning, David. You're in the Mid-South Garden. 
Good morning, everyone. How is everybody doing today? Everybody's great, great David. Great. I appreciate hey, you hanging on, buddy. Oh, no problem, man. My, my, my pleasure. I enjoy this show. Um, and I, I'm going to start taking a little bit more advantage of the fact that you got, you can go to the website, I think, too, and listen to it some morning. Because I'm not a morning guy. But you <laughs> well, you're but up you pretty early this morning with us, Dave. Oh, man, you guys are worth it. Look, got a couple of questions. Um, this year, I'm going to start pre-emergent, using pre-emergent. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary to use pre-emergent in both seasons in the fall and the spring, since I'm mostly concerned about the spring type of weed, or can I just wait until the spring and use the pre-emergent? You know, that is a great question, because people ask that all the time. I mean, typically... Dave, people put a pre-emergent down in the fall for the fall and winter weeds that come up. And then you put that same pre-emergent down in the spring for the spring and summer weeds that come up. For example, in the fall, typically we're doing it for poana, which is annual bluegrass. Which you don't see till next spring. That's right. But you're putting it down in the fall. Uh, And henbit and chickweed and some of those cool weather weeds and grasses that come up. And then typically, the same pre-emergent that we're putting down in the spring, uh, in my opinion, is mostly for crabgrass that comes up, you know, late spring, early summer. So do you have to do it in the fall? No, sir. Uh, Are there a lot of weeds that do come up in the fall that you probably don't want? Yeah. You know, and the pre-emergents really help. So you do it in the fall for the uh, spring weeds. We do it in the summer because we have such a long season that there's a second chance of them coming up. We uh, do it in the. What about so I did three months spring, later? Fall. Yeah. What's the I other mean, season? It, do it <laughs> if you really want to stop everything. Mm-hmm. Do it four times a year, every ninety days. I'm down for that. <laughs> I mean, and it, it's you're talking about you know in an average home lawn, twenty bucks or so. So you know yeah. each time or less. Right. Uh, and it's. It's by far the easiest way to control your weeds. If you absolutely only want to do it once a year and control it, your best application is going to be in the fall because that's going to control the things that you see next spring in bit, which make in chickweed and things which make such an impact in there. But also remember this because of our weather here, and we have warm and lots of rain in the fall sometimes. You that one application in September, say, may not get you through everything that's going to come up next spring. So, right, because we've recommended if it's a really rainy season, but you've put it down, but it's only been like six weeks. Yeah, so you know, I do them September, December. Uh, end of February and sometime in May. Yeah, you're talking about used about every 90 days. About every 90 days. And that way you have that barrier down mm-hmm. all year round. And the only thing you're going to have to deal with the first year is some stuff that's already been there. Yeah. You know, and then you'll have to deal with if you edge, you're going to disrupt the barrier along there. So you may have some stuff pop up alongside your, your sidewalk. Or sidewalk, yeah. Yeah, but... Mm-hmm. That's the cheapest and most efficient way to control your weed. And actually, over time, you can cut back. You might not have to go four four times a year because you're get. But you know, your neighbors still are always. There's always weed seed. Weeds, you know, yeah. most of the weed seed in your yard are not from your yard. Okay? Right, They're that's from somebody true. Else's. So you really couldn't cut back on on the weed part. 
now, I don't think now, so. No, David, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, do you have to do it four times a year? No. No, uh, I some do it people, at all. Some people do it three times <laughs> yeah. a year starting in the fall. Uh, but what you put down in the spring, now, that's really only going to be for the late spring, early summer weeds. Like I said, mostly the crabgrass and stuff that so comes absolutely out. absolutely do it. I don't want to deal with crabgrass ever. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my biggest problem, it looks like, is, is the crabgrass. But I cut it, you know, so low until you can't really tell that much yeah. until it starts growing. But, I mean, and I'm a firm, firm believer in, in pre-emergence. I mean, I would rather, you know, kill the weed at the seed stage than have to go out there and spray later on to kill the weed after it's already come up. And the beauty of a, a lot of these newer pre-emergence, Dave, of course we can use it in our lawn, but we can also use it in our flower beds, the same pre-emergent. Um, so they're very, you know, broad spectrum as far as the places that you can use these pre-emergents. Yeah, I, I, I normally buy concentrated stuff and use a pump spray. So, Jim, you said $20 a pop. I'm, what I'm looking at, it, it looks like it's $20 for a bottle around Well, it depends on how much that'll cover. And, you know, you really, if you're okay. going to put down a liquid, you should look to a hose sprayer instead of a pump-up sprayer. That's... You're just not getting enough product. You're not. I mean, it would be extremely difficult to get get good control with a pump-up sprayer. Yeah, the granule is so much easier. Yeah. Because then you don't get it on you. You don't have to use water. What do you you all sell the small bag of dimension for? Uh, I mean, right now, I mean, it's regular $19.99. I think it's on sale for $14.99 a bag. $15 that you can do, $3,500. Exactly. You know? And that's, you know, I don't have, I, one of those bags would do my yard three times. So. Yeah. Yeah. I like the quickness of water, though, to be honest with you. Well, but I'm like, David, I'm with uh, Jim, though. I would use a hose-in applicator if I'm going to use a liquid pre-emergent or buy one that's already ready to spray. And I'm with Jim. Using a pump-up sprayer for that, you're just not getting enough product down. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. That's good to know because I, I certainly was going to use that that pump sprayer. But anyway, one other question um, is: is brush? Um, I was thinking about buying this Bio Advanced brush killer. Is yes, that sir. better than the normal stuff for fences? You think or not? Say better for the what now? For the fences. For a long fences. Uh, what what's in the bear? Do you know? No, we carry the uh, the Fertilone Brush Killer and the Bonide Brush Killer, but I'm I'm sure they're all about the same. Jim. I, I would think it, so. I would. I don't know if it's got triclopyr in it, but it's got the. I'm sure it's got the heavy stuff in it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be any better than anybody else's. You know, the the main thing with it is just getting it down, coating the foliage, uh, spraying the ground. Now there are some products that you know if you're like trying to keep grass out from underneath a fence. Um, th- th- this primatol still around you can get, which will sterilize that ground for a year. Now, it's not going to stop Bermuda from jumping over it, but it would prevent anything from coming up in there. And you could do like a, you know, a little six-inch swath right up underneath the fence and not have anything grow there. you got to be careful. What's what it called again? It's called primatol, P-R-A-M-I-T-O-L. And it's available on a number of products. It's available on a granule. Um, you know, and, and most of the garden centers have, can order it for you if they don't have it, or you can get it online. Uh, but it's, it is a soil sterilant, you know, it kills, I used, it kills anything that's growing. Plus it sterilizes the soil for up to a year. Yeah. For things like people that have gravel driveways, it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, you can broadcast the granules over that and nothing comes up. So it's, uh, it, 
it's real. It's it's good. It's one shot, and you're done. But don't use it around anything that's desirable. Yeah, if there's any roots underneath that soil that goes to something that you want to keep. Now, I'm not talking about a big tree that's yeah. you know 20 feet away. It's going to be fine. But you know, if you've got shrub within a few feet, you, you, you that would have roots under that. It's not a good idea to yeah. use. Well, well, guys, I, I appreciate that. I must admit, I feel a little bit guilty for getting all this good free information. But I, I know <laughs> Dave, that tells me he hadn't gotten the bill yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your address again? <laughs> Dave, we appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. I have a good one. Thank hey, you, Dave. Dave. Thanks. Have a great weekend. We, I had a neighbor we called Mr. Roundup. And he would spray. He sprayed his fence line with Roundup constantly to where he never had to spray anymore because it just wouldn't grow there. And, and that's what Jim was saying. You know, the difference between say a Roundup type product <laughs> and the and like Primatol mm-hmm. or Total Vegetation Killer is you know technically Roundup or a Roundup type product only kills what it comes in contact with, and it's you know, disactivated once it hits the soil. Yeah, it does absolutely nothing to soil. Right. That's why it's basically the only, I think, the only herbicide approved for use in a vegetable garden once you plant it. Yeah, because it doesn't move through the soil. Right. Uh, and it's disactivated. Whereas something like Primatol, like you were talking about, Jim, it will kill anything that's actively growing, and it will definitely stay in that soil from 8 to 12 months uh, so nothing comes up in there. You were mentioning walkways, like gravel walkways. Gravel walkways. A lot of people use it. You know, if you've got um, ditches that have rick, the what they call the big rock riprap or whatever, yeah. that you can just throw the granules over it, settles through there, and nothing comes up through it. So it's uh, it's very good for those type products. Yeah, and then you mentioned, and, and then for people that didn't hear you, and I know we only got like a minute left, uh, Jim, let's say if they do take Roundup, off the market in say 2023 Mm -hmm. um i hope they don't but let's say they do uh you know the other products that are similar there's an organic product called burnout Mm -hmm. uh that is a really good product it Uh, does we you know in fact we had uh, bobby with the bonut donated some cases to the botanic garden and we were very pleased with the results that it it does it's not systemic it doesn't kill the root but it will flat out kill uh top kill and a lot of that doesn't come back after you kill it that way there's 20 percent vinegar you know, mm-hmm. which is just, you use it undiluted, just 20, a strong solution of vinegar. But you want to wear protective clothing. Yes, you, know, you do. Because it's much more toxic to you than Roundup yes. ever dreamed of being. And, and then the Roundup uh, substitute uh, is uh, Decimate uh, that used to be around a long time ago under the name of Finale. Right. Uh, and it's instead of glass, what, what is Roundup? It's, yeah, Roundup's glyphosate, and, and this, this is, is glufosinate. Exactly. Uh, it's it's Similar to Roundup, but it's not the same active ingredient. Yeah, and there are, there are crops out there that are glufosinate resistant, just like there are crops that are glyphosate resistant. Yeah. So, so, uh, but there are some alternatives out there. Yes, uh, that you can use. So, I mean, don't fret if if it happens in 2023 that you cannot get your hands on Roundup anymore. All right, I guess it's time to run to a break, and for the last few minutes, we'll talk about plants a little bit. You got it. We'll be right back. I would. I wish the variegated was more available. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get Asian jasmine all day long mm-hmm. from anybody. Yeah, we used to. In fact, the only one we could get numbers from was Greenleaf. Mm. You know, they used to through one of their divisions would have some that you could get hold of. Yeah, I think we so. got some in the other day. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those ground covers that 
instead of being just a green block ground cover mm-hmm. that we're so used to, English ivy, Asiatic jasmine, yeah. uh, you know, vinca minor, vinca major. Uh, it, it, anything, anytime you can put color in there with it, Theta, mm-hmm. Jim, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I'm going to work on container That's gardens why this program now. is so popular because it's very colorful. Uh, yeah. 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 There we <laughs> go. There we go. Like your shirt. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm always wearing a, or almost always a Hawaiian shirt or a tropical looking shirt. And if he's not wearing a Hawaiian shirt, a tropical shirt, he's got a t-shirt on that says something about, uh. Uh, science. What was the, What's your T-shirt? Oh yeah, today? that one says a moment of science, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Mr. Paul's got the tie dye, and Jim's got the tropical look. How and fun it, and, is and that? And then I got one that says, you know, my goal is just to piss off one person a day, and right now I'm about four years ahead. <laughs> oh, absolutely. All right, y'all. We'll see you next weekend in the Mid South Gardens.